Welcome to Life Decoded. Hi, I'm Nancy Mendez. I believe every life is a story to the world, so make sure it's inspiring. Through my podcast, I'd like to bring to life inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. So let's embark on this journey to get informed and inspired. Anushka Salmon, a 23-year-old, has an inspiring story to tell. She is a strong climate change activist and a sustainable architect. During one of her courses in architecture, she had to work on a thesis and it was during this time she started to question the role and scope of architecture in relation to climate issues and sustainability. How could the skills she was trying to obtain help solve this issue? She began to realize the shallowness with which we all look at sustainability. She says that it's a known fact that architecture informs culture and culture informs architecture. Throughout history, we have witnessed how architecture has the ability to mold lifestyles. Yet we do not use this ability to the fullest. While I as an individual do not have the power to stop big industries, from deepening this crisis, I have the power to design in ways that influence a better lifestyle. This is her words. Join me in welcoming Anushka Salmon today on my podcast, Life Decoded. Hello, Anushka. So, Anushka, can you give me a brief background of yourself and how old are you and your education background? Hi, Nancy. I am 23 years old and I just finished a degree in architecture and I'm an architect now. So that's good. So I know that while you're studying architecture, you worked on a thesis which focused on the impact of climate crisis. This issue is very close to my heart too and it piqued my interest to get to know more about what you're doing. So could you tell us about this thesis you worked on? So as a part of the architecture course uh, in India, you're supposed to do a final year thesis. And uh, the idea is to take an issue that's really close to your heart and uh, study it. And the idea was that what I understood from it, my interpretation of it was that I wanted to take something that would help me study my role in society and my role as an architect rather than anything else. And the climate crisis is something that I am, it's our reality. It's my generation's reality. And it's the generation after me, everybody who was born post the 90s, 70s, everybody's reality. So that's something that I want to, I want to study it. I want to understand how I can help mitigate the crisis, how I can be a part of the solution. And that's one of the reasons that I chose to do my thesis about the climate crisis. What I looked at initially was to understand how migration and the crisis would go together. However, later it evolved into uh, a much, you know, I had to, I realized that migration is a much later aspect. I need to come back a few steps and understand how it's happening and why it's happening and why it's happening to certain people more than it's happening to the others. When you talk about migration, is this migration of people or migration of yes, migration projects? Of 
okay. migration of people due to uh, the crisis. So, you know, the idea that the Syrian war actually is because of the climate crisis. It's not, it turned into a civil war afterwards. It was initially because of water and agriculture. That's how it started. So uh, that's how it's going to be. That's how the next century is going to be for us. Uh, and that's just the beginning. So that is what I first read and that motivated me. So that was the starting point. And then I started looking closer to home uh, because South Asia is one of the most vulnerable across all the studies that have happened, the climate crisis and how people are going to get affected, mostly because, not just because of the location, but also because of the amount of people that live in South Asia, which is why I decided to study the climate crisis and its relation with me, my role as an architect and the built environment. So that was the thesis. So you said like migration was because people are moving to much fertile land. So where there is a lot of fertility or where they can be productive. That's why the migration is happening because of the climate change. Okay. Sort of clarify on that. What you said is uh, correct. I just wanted to elaborate in the sense that because like if you're left without water, if you're left without food, everything is going away because the climate is changing. You can't cultivate anymore. People tend to like everybody migrates for a better life. That's the ultimate purpose of migration. So, but what better life means in this scenario is like basic needs. That's why everything is going to change. All patterns will change. All the geography that we learned in school will change because wind patterns are changing. Everything is changing. So, so what was your motivation to do this project? Yeah, so like the first time I realized that climate change is a problem was I think I was in my second year of college. I must have been 19 or 20. I don't remember. And uh, as a part of this, we have to take an environmental science course every year. So as a part of the course, we were made to watch this movie called Before the Flood. And initially, <laughs> because it was a college assignment, I wasn't interested. And then I watched it and I kept watching it and I watched it thrice. And I was like, I don't say this often, but I was sort of moved by it. And it pushed me to investigate further. And as I investigated further, I realized that it was bad. It was very, very bad. Like the movie was just like not even the tip of the iceberg. And, you know, pushed me into looking at the problem and looking at everything in general and then obviously I live in Mumbai so Mumbai floods every year there are other issues it always rains and so that sort of like pushed me towards like understanding relationships with water and I started reading more about it which is also when I learned about the migration crisis that's when I actually realized that the Syrian war was not really the civil war it was a climate induced civil war and then there was also Around the same time, what happened is the Rohingya crisis was happening in Myanmar. And people were fleeing. People were also fleeing into India. And that was sort of a political thing that was happening in the country. It was a religious political thing. But I started thinking about it as a migration and a refugee crisis also. And then simultaneously in Europe, there is all the Syrian refugees trying to enter Europe. So all of these things are happening around the world. And I was like, why is this happening? And why are people so hostile? So I started looking at it and I realized that the more the climate crisis exacerbate because of the climate crisis and how people are fleeing from Myanmar because of political persecution. They're going to people from Bangladesh and neighboring countries, which are, believe it or not, believe it or not poorer than India, are going to flee into our country. And then that's going to obviously cause 
a problem in an yeah. already overpopulated country. country. So okay. I started looking at that and that's sort of is where I began and that's what motivated me. And then, yeah. So just like the pandemic, no one knew it coming. At least there's a lot of cry about climate change, yet we look the other way. So this is one major setback. But what are the major hurdles do you face when you try to bring about this awareness? Mm. So the thing with the climate crisis is that, uh, like you said, with the pandemic, people didn't know it was coming, but there was always a notion amongst people who have studied this, that they knew that the next major problem before the climate crisis actually hits and everybody realizes it is going to, going to be a pandemic. And be, believe it or not, the pandemic is sort of also because of the climate crisis. So climate change is that a people call it global warming still people call it global warming uh that's a 30 year old term and it's not warming anymore we're already hot yeah and the the whole idea is that all of these things diseases are going to spread there's going to be food shortages there is going to be water crisis there is going to be several things all at once that are going to happen just like this covid COVID is a much smaller thing when you look at how badly this crisis is going to affect all of us over the years. Mm -hmm. So that's something that people still don't understand. And it's sort of, of yeah, it is yeah. very scary. scary people yeah. do not understand this. They still think of it as a very far off problem when it is actually not a far off problem, you know. It's, it's happening right now. It's, and, you know, focus of my study was people on the front lines and people who are already marginalized. Uh, the thing is that it's also affecting the very rich people also, you know, like there are fire, fires in California. California happens to be one of the richest places in the world. Mm -hmm. The forests in Al Alberta are burning. Things are happening. Wild things are happening. Ar Arctic was on fire last year. I mean, mad things So it doesn't spare the rich or, you know, or the... Yeah, if rich have money, so they will build fortresses for them mm -hmm. and the poor will be left to die which is again a problem the problem with the crisis is that it, we are far 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 away from equality and i don't think we will ever achieve it unfortunately the, like coming back to your question it's not a far off problem and it's and we know it's coming we know it's been coming for it's sitting home sooner a long time like there are seven i think it was the seven if i'm not wrong it was the 70s when the american congress had scientists come in and give a testimony to this, sort of identifying it back in the 1900s peak uh, industrial revolution times. So you mentioned that this crisis won't matter much to the rich or the corporations, but I'm sure it's affecting all, as you mentioned. You know, it's it's sitting, I mean, the richer countries like uh, USA, where there are forest fires in California and Alberta. So it's not going to spare anyone. But what is the reason behind them turning a blind eye and what is the solution to change their mindset? I mean, this is a very loaded question. I, I know it's not very easy or it's not a straightforward. I know the solution is ongoing. But yeah. from your point of view, how can you bring that awareness and maybe a change in the mindset of these uh, people who are sitting on their high horses and thinking this is not our problem right now. It's for the future generation to take care of it. So I, yeah, so the thing is that there are two ways to look at it. So the majority of the crisis is caused by corporations. Okay, If you look at the graph, it's 
oil companies drilling companies it's everybody so the root of any almost everybody study which is not funded by oil companies has been that the capitalism model is meant for exploitation right and which is why it's happening so unless we change the way we function unless we change our economy it's not going to that's the whole idea and that's the gist of it however if you look at it in a in a you know like a smaller way what uh, people could perhaps do is like going vegan is probably the uh, largest thing that you can do as a person but it's, like it's not going to matter at all mm-hmm. you know that it's going to be like a it's not even going to be a drop in the ocean it's that small an impact the climate crisis is not a individual problem and it won't be solved individually no matter what like tomorrow some country decides it's going to go green it's not going to really help mm-hmm. the rest of the world that much unless like big large com- countries ma- major polluters decide they're going to di- disinvest you know mm-hmm. so america decides they want to like all of north america decides they want to disinvest that will work uk decides europe decides india china decide when larger things together they decide it will but for that to happen they're not going to let that happen no just like with covid they delayed as much as it could mm-hmm. so that the markets wouldn't crash the reason they are not disinvesting is because most of their cash the most of the economy runs on oil and gas so mm-hmm. they're not going to do that and that's sort of the root of the problem so unless like to give you a very recent uh, example with how they did with uh, gamestop unless smaller investors decide to not invest in larger things like we like anybody who wants to make money in the stock market would invest in oil and gas because they're always booming mm-hmm. it's common sense i mean but yes so uh but unless you decide that you're not going to put your money into this and you know probably put it into some something else maybe that could work that's something that i've read i've not understood completely because that's not something that i've studied but that's something that i've been reading a lot on that's one solution what you could do as smaller steps is not by fast fashion try to you know buy local and all of that but this is like not really big things so actually to solve solve the climate crisis we have to change the way our economies function because that's what the actual problem is you can do small we have to start somewhere right somewhere yeah, you have to it's start a small somewhere. like you know don't eat uh stuff that not is not going to grow in that season everybody knows what grows in what season just buy stuff so buy seasonal stuff you will automatically like help in smaller 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 ways if you know that don't yeah. buy a petrol car buy an electric vehicle you know it's those smaller things that will matter and okay so let's not just blame the economy and everything else it's also like smaller things like planning a city because i'm an architect i'm talking about this like you know what comes when it comes to city planning we plan our cities in a way where they're walkable they're places that you, you know can buy so and you can walk that, yeah. exactly so people can walk people can bicycle people can you know all of those things if we matter a lot because once the power that architects and designers have here is it we sort of design things that go, that last for another 50 years or like 100 years right mm-hmm. so if we design a city for people instead of designing a city for cars right. it will matter because eventually it will you know yeah. maybe not tomorrow but like another 10 years from now people are going to be like okay you know what driving is a nuisance a nuisance and i can actually just walk to work or i can just ride a bicycle to work and that's what people will start to do so that's the idea so that's how i think small- i can relate this a little bit because uh, yeah. as growing up in india uh, we used to go to mathuran 
and Mataran is one uh, location where they only a train could reach there, or you have to hike and go there, or you have to use like I think there was a horse horse carriage or something like that. So you you were forced to either walk, hike, or go through these um, way of uh, transportation. And I loved that idea because uh, it was so eco-friendly. The air was so fresh. And we felt like we are connecting with nature. I think we should go back to those roots. And as you mentioned, your architecture is uh, planning or building the infrastructure so that people are not able to use all these vehicular transportation like cars with pollutes in the environment. That's a good thing. Yeah, so moving forward. So what I was thinking is that there may be moments in your process while you are doing this architecture and you're crying out loud that, oh, you know, we should work on this uh, eco-friendly way and change the climate. There may be a time that you maybe, as kids like you, you get frustrated, you know, you, are, you, you guys are crying out and there's these big corporations or the other people are turning a deaf ear. So do you ever feel frustrated and you want to give up on these projects? So here's the thing. I, along with everybody in my generation, we can't give up on this because then it's our, because this is our future. This is what our future is going to be like. And we really can't give up on it because that's just like, you know, signing your own death warrant. So yeah, there are moments when we get frustrated. How does it matter? You know, what is going to happen? What's the worst that's going to happen? But there are a lot of things that are really bad that are going to happen. So, you know, when you think of that, when you think there are times when, you know, with every protest, with any sort of activism, there is always a time of burnout. But that burnout is a process and it happens. And you need, which is why you need to be very careful. And the main thing that you need to remember is that you take some time off for yourself every time you're doing some, any kind of activism. Okay, I need to take a step back from this. Does not mean that I'm, I don't care about it anymore or I'm not a part of it anymore. It's just that you take some time, you rejuvenate, and then you're back in it. It's like charging your phone. It's literally like that. And you so come back with new ideas, I guess. So this process is uh, not an individual person, you know, changing. So you need some force and some financial support from organizations or government. Do you, or do you as an individual or your organization, do you all get any kind of funding to support this climate change? I'm not really sure about this global movement. So I'm not really in the ins and outs of it. But as far as I know, there are a lot of small time, it's a people's movement. It's a crowdfunded movement. There are a lot of individual donors that donate anonymously. In all ways, you know, like I contribute to it purely on the basis of graphics and, you know, making posters and all of that. So doing all this is not, you know, easy as I can see. Uh, but you may be having somebody who inspires you. So who's your role model and why? So there are a lot of people that inspire me. There's no... Like, Maybe one person who whom you feel you can give credit to today. There is, honestly, there isn't one person because like I get inspired by like small things in like a lot of people. Like I'm just like so inspired by you that you are doing this, you know, like just doing oh, this. <laughs> this do. Like I'm not saying it because I'm here. I'm just no, saying No, no, I know, yeah. I, you know, like there are like small, small things about like people that inspire because you know, 
I believe that if you make somebody your idol, they're going to disappoint you. Yeah. They're not. You can't relate to hundred percent of another person, right? Ever. So if you make one person your okay, I am inspired by this one. I follow. Never going to be like that one hundred percent. So like, if you take small small things from everybody, it sort of like helps you. Makes and you, you a, makes you a better person, like overall. Look. Okay, so just to reiterate, so you said your role model is everybody whom you get inspired in your daily life, and that makes the whole of you. So, what message would you like to give to our listeners on how they too can make a difference to leave this world a better place for the next generation? I think I'm too young and too small to give you a message, but I would just say that. Every time you think there isn't a problem, if someone's complaining and you think there isn't a problem, it's most likely that there is a problem and it could be you. So, like, think about it. Take a step back. Forget your own privilege. Forget the place that you come from, and think about it from that person's point of view. And maybe, maybe there is something there, and that's how you sort of just make the world a better place. If there is someone like nothing's going to change, why are you doing this? Uh, and you know. कुछ मे बी कुछ नहीं बदलेगा यू नो नथिंग प्रॉब्लम नथिंग विल चेंज बट वॉटिंग So you are a crusader of climate change, and I'm incredibly happy that you are using your architectural knowledge to build infrastructure that will help to reduce the negative impact on the climate and make this planet Earth a better place for us and for our next generation. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast, and it was a it was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. I don't think I'm a crusader, but uh, I just want to, you know. you know i literally just want to live so that's my motivation that's the ultimate motivation that i have towards to doing this even like if you don't want to do this i want to end it this that even if you don't believe in the crisis you don't believe it's going to affect you or anything trust me it's going to affect you and if you don't want to do it for anybody else just do it for yourself that was an amazing story to hear more such inspiring stories log on to my website lifedecoded.com That's l i f e d c o d e d dot com, and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Listen anytime and anywhere on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Castbox, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Until next time, stay safe and inspired.